Welcome, everybody, to 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. This is the final Shadow Moon episode. Uh, where's the button that makes the, the confettis come down, like when the ball drops on New Year's Eve? Uh, yeah, we've read through Shadow Moon by George Lucas and Chris Claremont, all 452 pages of it, and this is the last time we will be discussing it. It is a, a, a great burden lifted. How are you feeling, Mike? Connor, promise me this. Promise me we will never do this again. <laughs> um, is is there a thing that we can, like you're barred for life, you know, like your picture is up at the at all the gates, you cannot enter here. Yeah, um, do I not think, accept checks from this book. Yes, I think... <laughs> I think lifetime ban is obvious for this uh, for this author combination of authors, maybe even people with the same letters in their name, just to be safe. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the the term abomination, uh, you know, gets thrown around a lot, but I feel like it's it's appropriate to to toss it out in in this case. This is this is just a just a terrible book. It sapped our strength. It sapped the uh, the listeners' strength. Um, a few select people made it to the end with us, but. Uh, uh, we are here, and I, I don't think I will cease reading. You know, I think I'll I'll continue to 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 read words aligned into sentences. But uh, yeah, you you know, like when we've uh, if you've eaten those uh, silkworm larvae that we did oh, know, yeah. once, yeah, yeah, we 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 had food eating challenges uh, at Rift Tracks, and uh, you know that tasted like a, a wet basement. You know, and it was the worst thing that I had ever ever eaten i still have memory of that flavor and everything but i still eat food sure so, yeah. yes yeah I'll, I'll still read but i'll i'll always have the memory of silkworm larva carapace stuck in my gums and that's what this book is <laughs> well it's funny you should mention unpleasant experiences because i on tuesday i don't think this is providing too much information but i, I went to the dentist because i had to get uh cavities filled I uh, I am a, a grown man who's still getting cavities. I <laughs> <laughs> all those lollipops. That I, you, yeah. I, I don't even I don't even put them in my mouth. I just I just lick on them because they're so big. Um, but uh, and it's I, also the fa- you're going around and kicking older men in the knee while you're licking your lollipops. Yeah, that's, I, that's odd. But right, yeah, they 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 shake their fist at me and I I, I scamper away. My my curls bobbling as I <laughs> my try your little lo- your little straw hat with the ribbon around it. Yes, I'm incorrigible. But but uh, so yeah, I, I went to the dentist at eight a.m. to get four fillings. Um, and wow! Yeah, it took uh, ninety minutes. I was in the chair, and I had one of those times. Has this ever happened to you? Where you know they 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 shoot you up. So first of all, they shot me up on the top left and bottom right of my mouth. And I guess I had never had two Novocaine injections, and so like they left it to warm up. And uh, looking at my phone for about two minutes, I started to get dizzy. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, well, I, I got to tell him about this in case I pass out in the middle of this filling. And, um, she sort of, she didn't seem too concerned. And after the fact said like, yeah, there's epinephrine in there. So that could, it's adrenaline that could cause that. But then when she started drilling into my teeth, it hadn't taken. <laughs> so oh. I did like, I did like the jerk, um, like in marathon man and, you know, knocked the drill. And so they had to shoot me up a third time. Oh man! So, so all things considered, uh, it was it was the second worst experience of my week after finishing Shadow Moon. Uh, well, I uh, similarly uh, took a flight, the worst flight I'd ever had. I, I think, wow! Think of all the all the things that we all hate about flying. Of course, it's a packed flight. There were 
I would say a baker's dozen of uh, upset babies um, on the flight, <laughs> which that's the thing that never bothers me that much because, you know, what can you do? Yeah. But uh had a grown woman kicking the back of my seat. Uh, you usually expect a little, well, I expect you and your little costume and your lollipop yes, exactly. to be doing it. But this was a grown woman the entire flight. God. And then uh to top it off, there was a man next to me who was probably uh, had consumption, tuberculosis, <laughs> diphtheria, uh, SARS, uh, bird flu, and he was uh, hacking and coughing and uh, expelling mucus into the uh, uh, cocktail napkins and then throwing them over me into the traffic. <laughs> and that was the second worst thing of my week because I was simultaneously having to read Shadow Moon. And, and truly, I tried to think of a thing uh, in college, is there a worse book? Like I have to read this and I have to absorb the material. I can't think of an experience because, you know, no professor makes you read shadow moon. They make you read right. books that are, probably have some redeeming aspects to them. And so reading them while a chore is not, uh, four cavities being drilled when the Novocaine hasn't set in yet. <laughs> I told people in the uh, Discord chat that I, I, I was reminded of like a junior year of college class I took you know, just sort of was was not feeling it. Eighteenth century literature, we read shit like Pamela, I think. So it was these books that you know you were five hundred pages long, minuscule type. You were, I mean, they suck and they're about uninteresting stuff. But you're supposed to read them in like a week, and so I was just sort of like, ah, I, I can't do this. <laughs> this is yeah. this is not a good reading experience. And I, I think I got like a C plus in that class because. Uh, but anyway, that was the only thing that struck me. It was just like staring at words. Um, knowing you have to get through it without, uh, without you know, being physically able to, but that's sort of getting ahead of it. Um, well, let me ask: Are you a? Uh, I guess we've never mentioned this before. Are you a fast reader? I'm. I'm very slow. My uh, my wife is probably. I think she's probably three to four times as fast as I am. I would. I, I think so. I think I. I always was in in school, and I sort of have some. Uh, some some maybe speed reading tendencies of sort of anticipating where unimportant stuff is coming and, and and moving past it. I can't do that, and so and I've tried. I've done. I've read about you know how to increase your speed and everything, and I hate that worse than you know than than being forced to read Shadow Moon. It just like <laughs> doesn't feel right. It feels uh, I feel nervous and rushed, and so I just read at my speed and I don't worry about it. But boy, was it tough when. <laughs> <laughs> realizing that of myself while reading this was doubly painful. Like I can't speed up and right. I'm forced to do it. Yeah. That's like, uh, it's like, you know, there's no signal. <laughs> yeah. The car can't kick into another gear here. Right. Ah, uh, well that said, yeah, that's uh, the table is set nicely. I don't even know if we introduced who we are. Right. What Great. this podcast is. <laughs> At this point, if so, I mean, if someone is, 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 is going into this, like, how have you not turned it off by now? Wow, these guys seem to hate these books that they're voluntarily reading. <laughs> this is an outlier, folks. Uh, it is. I mean, I don't, there, there's no reason to bury the lead here. Do you put it the worst book? I think so. I think that the combination of of length, uh, just you know, lack of joy, uh, you know, lack of lack of uh, material to be spun into gold. Uh, I'd put it at the at the worst. Bob Honey, it's like uh, Walter in The Big Lebowski. He's like, say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism, at least it's an ethos. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, say what you will about Bob Honey, at least it ended after 150 pages. Yeah, and I think there were there were better things to pull out of it. There was. You know, everybody seized on the same thing. This book doesn't have those touchstones that delight you, even while you know causing pain 
while reading them upon reflection are sort of funny that I, there's not a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, Which uh, I probably shouldn't say up front, but no, we're going to find stuff. Yes. I'm just saying it's tough. Well, the listener who recommended it to us has apologized. <laughs> that was, that was on Twitter the other day. Uh, uh, he or she has apologized for, for putting this in our email about a year ago. So, um, do not, do not dox them. Do not go to their house with pitchforks. Um, they are contrite and, uh, Hey, it would, it's only been what, 17 hours of recorded time talking about this book by the time we're done. Ooh, how much, how many reading hours do you think there is? Oh my God. Each one of these, every 50 pages was probably two hours for me. Oh, I should tell, uh, I, I mentioned it to you that I, uh, I was reading it while I was out in, uh, away from home. And so I printed it out of the ebook and I have a very fast printer doing it. And the pages it was spitting out was so dispiriting. <laughs> <laughs> it was just going ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Like this, those are full pages of text. It wow. can't be. It can't be. <laughs> oh well, we have fun here. But yeah, I'm Connor Lestoka. This was I'm talking to Mike Nelson. This is 372 pages. We get back. We'll never get back about a uh, books that we are not expecting to like. And this uh, has proven true. We have read uh, Armada, Ready Player One, Trucking Through Time, Bob Honey, Who Just Do Stuff, The Lair of the White Worm, Tech War. Uh, brother, uh, the Eye of Argon, all of them better than Shadow Moon, which we are about to discuss the final three chapters of now. Uh, which I should mention the author, uh, well, one of the authors, Chris Claremont, who I brought up to one of our coworkers, Sean Thomason, uh -huh. and said, you know, we're doing this book. Um, it's by this guy, uh, Chris Claremont. He's, oh, Chris Claremont, sure. <laughs> and he had a positive reaction. So naturally, wow. I choked him to death yes, right there. Yes, uh, that's a shame. That's, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was a good so, man. He was a good man. Uh, well, yeah, that's a, he, he does seem to have that sort of reputation, but we've had people write in to, uh, throughout this thing saying, uh, actually, a lot of his stuff sucks just like this as well. He's uh, got some weird fascinations, and he's got a tendency to overwrite his comics and uh, I think you don't say. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I don't know, like, sure, the X-Men are, are, are great icons, but uh, maybe maybe we need to, to, to reconsider uh, their place in the canon. Let us do that now. Let's dive in, huh? Yeah. Oh, we, we're, we have all the departments save one. Yeah, right, we're, we got our dumb sentences, and we don't have fanfic. And I think by the time we're done with this, now that we've talked for 11 minutes uh, without an introduction— about during our introduction, we'll probably save an email uh, mailbag for a, a separate episode too, because yes, a lot of people so. have their have their closing thoughts on this. So we want to be able to give those uh, the attention they deserve, because a lot of uh, a lot of venting needs to happen. I think. Yes, I think we all need to uh, g you know get in the sharing circle and and heal and cry together. And, Sounds uh, good. So we'll do that at another time. Okay. Well, yeah, we, st we started off, we left off at chapter 13. The eagles and brownies were swooping in to attack our, our ragtag band of heroes. And I had a challenge for you right off the bat. Oh, great. This, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this is a, uh, not a, not a sound challenge. This is like a recall the other moment, uh, in the book that this was, this was mentioned challenge. So okay. I, I don't have high hopes, but it said the text was thorn sna snagged a sapling, second year growth, scraping layers of skin from his palm as he used the momentum of his fall to pivot him back towards the trail, working hands and feet like a hedgehog to get him there. Do you, well, can you identify the previous hedgehog comparison in the book? Because <laughs> he has been oh, compared to a hedgehog once before. I was going to say that wasn't he simultaneously... Like a an otter and a crab or something. There were two. 
There was mammal yes. and crab in one sentence, <laughs> I recall. But was that a hedgehog? <laughs> it was not. It was not. Uh, the previous hedgehog was something bowled him over from behind, and he reflexively tucked arms and legs and head tight to his body, taking on the aspect of a hedgehog to roll like a ball before the death dog's onslaught. So you have him okay. rolling like a ball as a hedgehog, and then you have him just working hands and feet like a hedgehog. So one of these guys definitely just like had had a had a hedgehog thing going because rolling like a ball, sure, but moving your hands and feet, like that's what that's how just about every four legged animal gets about. Uh, did we? Uh, does he have a sonic fascination? Was that a sonic <laughs> move to to what is it? Scutter, sniffle, scrabble. Yeah, scutter sniffed. I don't something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could uh, be. There could be. A, he could have a, a sonic tattoo, like on his lower back or something. Um, I didn't. I, just similarly, he has a fascination with sweeping people's legs out from under them. Did you oh, notice that in this? I, I did it. I noticed a lot of struggling for purchase. But <laughs> okay, the leg sweeps uh, were you know more than by far more than Karate Kid. Uh, wow, one, two and three. Yeah, um, happened to everyone in the in attacks. They always go down and just sweep the legs. So. <laughs> I didn't make a note of them because they were spread apart by 400 pages each, but that still amounted to 700 episodes of leg sweeps. Right. Um, well, you get uh, you get the, the so the brownies are, are coming. They're we're revealed now. You know, 70 pages from the end of the book that they're able to uh, imbue their life force into their missiles. Um, so that's a, that's good information to know. But uh, the brownies are in bad shape. Uh, one of Frangine's arms was wrapped tight to his body. And there was a wicked scar across Bastion's back that hadn't wholly healed. Likely it wouldn't, from the stench it left behind. (laughs) They weren't clean wounds. They cast an infection deep into the bodies that would quickly consume them. So things are looking up. Uh, Maybe that was what happened to the guy sitting next to you on the plane. Yeah, there was a stench coming from him. So uh, (laughs) I I figured as much. Well, he's not healing. Um, You know, when the eagles attack, this was the thought that came into my head. Um... Well, they're, they're certainly no match for the, uh, the people below because they have hollow bones. <laughs> but uh, he, he assures us their bones may have been hollow, but the eagles were a match and more for Thorne. <laughs> it's, I, w- I, was, I wasn't thinking. I mean, that wasn't my – is that a thought that came into your head? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. We've been informed that these eagles are like, you know, masterful hunters and razor-sharp talons. So, yeah, they're hollow bones. Had not uh, had had not caused me any worry. Not as much uh, as the silting in the bay had caused. I'm still worried about that because <laughs> even while we while you sleep, silt is building up. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that new information about the the uh, brownies, amazing. Yeah, they could be as deadly as any, striking with poison that could drop a dakini in a matter of steps. Yeah. Um, where was this when they were fighting the devil dogs or the death dogs or the dream dogs or whatever early on? Yeah, they were just I, shooting their little like pea shooters that make you laugh. You yeah, know? they were they were jabbing like uh, they didn't they like jab Alora in the butt with their knife or their, their the size of a pin they said it was or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, the size of a, a rose thorn. Right. Yeah, can can you spare say. some life force? Like you haven't. You know, I'm I'm over here like. Thorn is exhausted to the point of like you know his 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 bones were grinding you know against his thing and his his tongue lolled out of his mouth like and they're just like yeah I've got a lot of life force built up but I'm not going to use it. 
Oh, <sighs> that that uh, that stuff, man. That that builds to a, a level oh, that is oh, it's, beyond anything. But it, uh, it's truly yeah, incredible. Let, it's incredible. Let's march on here. Uh, so during an intense battle, uh, Willow Thornbud body stops and just stares at the demon child. Did okay. you oh, pick yeah. that up? Yes. He stopped and stared, truly looking at her for perhaps the first time. <laughs> this is while he's actively getting shot with poison darts and being torn asunder yeah, by the claws are, of an eagle. Ravi- yeah, ravishing his face. Uh, but uh, yeah, I noticed that too. And I had another challenge for you because this is another thing where I thought that the uh, the editor might have uh, you know ducked out to lunch like he did during that repeated block of text from, I think, the last episode. So he says, there was a knotwork tattoo about the biceps, deceptively simple at a glance representing the endless life cycle of birth and rebirth toward the wrist, covering the lower half of a forearm, a far more complex and delicate filigree. A startling contrast to find so overtly feminine a decoration on such a determinedly strong figure. Uh, Whatever woman had been, she had easily defied typecasting in that she and the demon child were surprisingly alike. So do you remember her earlier tattoo description? Because this is the second time he's like looked in wonder the third time at her tattoos. Yes, yeah. There was one across her, it was around her face, right? Yeah. So earlier it said there was a tattoo over her left eye, and that was the one that was so intense and colorful, he didn't understand why he'd missed it earlier. And before that, we got one that said she had tribal tattoos on her biceps and thigh, plus some scars. So he's just constantly looking at her and noticing tattoos that he's never seen before. Uh, What? And what a great character, though. Truly. Corey. Corey. You... You don't know who this person is she inhabited. You don't know what happened to her demon dad. You don't know why the person she inhabited died or, or, or what she really even adds here. She's just sort of there. And and she's there as a, you know, a sort of mini deus ex machina. She's, you know, grabbing things and stopping arrows from hitting him and mm-hmm. attacking people. But she, her motivations, I'm completely unclear on what they are yes. or who she is or what is the demon getting out of this. Right. Um because, yeah, but, the reason that they're attacking Willow, I mean, Thorn and all the other people is because he melded with the demon. So now there's this demon stink on him, uh, and which has led to be a big deal. Like the the uh, brownies say that no uh, mystical folk will ever help you again because you have this on you. So it's evidently a, a gigantic deal. He has a scarlet letter now, but we have no idea why he did that, like why he bonded with him. It doesn't seem to Corey doesn't seem to have yeah, really added anything. So we're we're left to wonder why he he has debased himself in this way. What he got out of it? His uh, having connections with and melding with people. I can't I can't put the uh, there's not a wall big enough with enough <laughs> pins and strings to figure out who the hell he's got bonds with. You yes. know what I mean? No, yeah. It's literally every other character probably except Garen, you know? Right, yeah. He's got some mystical bond to everyone. Yeah, he's got the silver hair clip. Uh, he's got, um, yeah, the insight with the eagles. <laughs> he has, you know, of course, the uh, the the sacred bond where Alora Dannon remembers all these things about him, even though he last saw her when she was eight months old. Yeah. She's like, you never used to swear like this. He's like, well, well, my first memory is at like age eight. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of Garen, he he gets off a good one about the eagles. Okay. Uh, I'm going to call them that from now on, what he calls them. Those gobshite lamb swipers. Yes. (laughs) I did think credit where credit's due on that one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, 
Garen, good on you. We're going to use that from now on. <laughs> this is a great, uh, this, I thought this was one of the, the worst paragraphs we've ever covered. Uh, because this is a, it's, it's essentially a double Shatlart um, in one in one paragraph, one sentence, maybe. My apologies, sword mistress, Rin said with unaccustomed formality and a turn of phrase Thorne associated more with a princess like Anna Carey, comma, for the inconvenience and, dash, accented now with a shrug that was quintessentially him, dash, for bleeding all over you. So that's oh, one God. quote broken up twice. And one of the things that breaks up is, is to say that He's doing a shrug that is quintessentially Rin the Otter Man, uh, which is not something we've we've we do not have a picture of him other than he's nude and furry, and sometimes n- jumps nude. through skylights. But you know we're like, oh yeah, that shrug, that's so Rin. Yep, he's shrugging with those uh, blades tucked between his own claws. <laughs> oh sure, yes. <laughs> he's doing the the comic, you know, hanging with Mister Cooper thing. Like mm, that's me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> Uh, that was a good reference, by the way. Yeah, well, it was very Mr. nice. Cooper. Yeah, it's, thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Two thousand one. It came up at a trivia night within the past month. Here, it was a, a name that scene type of thing, and it was uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper. We did not uh-huh. get it right. Uh, Bader Meinhof uh, there, uh, right? <laughs> Two hanging with Mr. Cooper. I used Bader Meinhof in a in an email to a listener yesterday because he had uh, he, he had been at someone's house and uh, Willow had like they had brought out a VHS of it taped off the thing. So I said, and then another Willow reference happened, and then I Bader Meinhofed him. So I think I have Bader Meinhof Bader Meinhof at this point in time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, people will be diving for the internet to find out what that means, but that's fine. <laughs> um, so let's see, bringing us up to date. So they, the, the Eagles then land and they kind of, what do they do? They say like, no, stop. I'm not a, I'm not a demon. Yeah. He says, I'm not a demon, but they say like, well, you, you, you sure smell like one. And that's when he says like, none of the air, elves or fairies or any of these people are ever going to trust you again. Right. And so there's a, uh, a description of Alora at this time. She rubbed herself across the belly, leaving, leaving the memory with a wan smile until that brought her heart up against the memory of Morag's end. Right. Uh, no description of the size of the belly there. I was very, very disappointed. This was a chance to really lay into her once again. And he passed it up. Yeah, he searched some restraint on this one. But I, I think we do get lucky uh, as the as the book wraps to a close. We, we get some more final digs in at our sacred princess. I don't know. Who is uh, currently silver, right? Yeah, she has turned silver based on the witch fire from that froze the entire city of Angwin. Okay. Um, whether this, whether that is what allows her to withstand the uh, infernos later, or whether she could have done that anyway, we do not know. Um, and I don't know whether she ends the book silver or whether that's restored or not. I also, I also cease cease to care by this point in time. Yeah, and this this chapter, my God! So this <laughs> forest fire starts up. Uh, and- yes, before just before the forest fire, we we do check in with with Thorn's uh, physical status. Um, it said they'd been climbing all the while along a track whose shallow grade made it, it seem far easier than it turned out to be. Thorne's legs felt held together by rubber bands and those badly frayed. So just to, in case you were thought that he might be, you know, like hopping out of bed, raring to go, he is tired. And, uh, there is a place in the 12 kingdoms that is manufacturing rubber bands. 
um, for there's an office supply company somewhere. Well, you got to keep those uh, trick or treat masks on somehow. Yes. So <laughs> rubber bands naturally are the thing to do. But yeah, they, so they Garen spots a wildfire and they're like, oh, no, these woods aren't supposed to be able to burn. These are Cherlindria's sacred woods. But it turns out that there is a um, fire drakes that are uh, setting everything on fire. Right. And uh, if you can figure out what a fire drake is or what they're up to, I, I'll, uh, I'll credit you with that because I cannot figure out what that was about. Yeah, they're sort of just like, you know, I, I think like a, a phoenix, maybe that sort of thing. That's what I pictured them as. Maybe there's a uh, maybe they're on a Magic the Gathering card or something. But uh, but Garen sees all this happening and he says, like, peace out. Like, you know, you guys are holding me back. This is madness. And so he he says, like, hey, Thorne, none of this bad stuff was happening till you showed up. Uh, I, I'm ashamed that I brought you into Angwin, but I'm, you know, I'm getting the hell out of here while I can still look out for myself. So he, he pieces out. Mm hmm. And uh, what a what a great character! I I like his uh, his ending. I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's been thinking this all along. He's brought it up before. Mm-hmm. Like everything's going bad. It's you. Um, so what are you doing then? What, why are you hanging out with us? I never really understood his motivation all that much. Yeah, he... when he left his his own forces to help him out. Right, because he was he was sort of tracking him in the beginning. That's how he met the the death dogs were on his trail, and Thorn, you know, helped him at that point in time. But I think after the shipwreck is the first time he sort of turned on him, and now he's decided, um, you know, we, we, they repeated the beats enough that he decided he had had enough and decided to get the hell out. And then, if you like descriptions of things being uh, burnt, uh, <laughs> torn asunder, uh, sizzled to their very atoms, and God knows we love that. This book is full of it. But this uh, forest fire description and these fire drakes, my God, mm. that that just goes on forever. Talk yep. about trying to read ahead and skip, but it's like I, can't, I gotta read this. <laughs> we get uh, we get a lot of the uh, that that Lovecraftian thing where it's like. The, uh, I mean, I'll just read it. They, they were caught in a reverberating barrage where the ordinance was trees being blown to bits by the resin that was their lifeblood being instantly heated to vapor like the pops made by a log on the household hearth magnified a million fold beyond the capacity of ear or mind to accept. It's like just enough with this garbage. Like if you can't describe it, like don't don't try to. But like that's just constantly like they saw a horror that, you know, not in a million years they could have even possibly comprehended. Yeah, he essentially does, you know, little kids like a million, jillion, trillion, jillion plus one. (laughs) So there. Uh, Yeah, fountains of flame rocketed from the ground as the roots were consumed. And with a tremendous warmth of expanding gas, the tree itself instantaneously combusted. (laughs) Bastard, Thorn snarled. And so what he's going to do, Thorn's plan, is to uh, put a cloak over them all Mm -hmm. and, uh, and wet them down, I guess. Yeah, so, sort of drizzle his uh, his canteen over them, essentially. <laughs> uh, but he's got a he's got a backup plan, and this one came as a surprise to me. Yeah, this was good. Uh, he uh, Thorn looked him in the eye, having already decided to stop their hearts before <laughs> the flames claimed them. So <laughs> yeah, he the, is the, literally the, a god beyond all gods that you could ever. 
yeah, he's sort of just looking at them and doing like the the shh 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 as he you yeah. know chokes them uh, at their final thing. So yeah, just another fun you know Willow type of moment. Willow, they're in the bunker with Hitler, and he's going to kill his children. Right? <laughs> yeah, they've. All... But then, so like he's yeah he's 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 looking at you know the the twelve year old girl these these sobbing people saying he's going to kill them. Three sentences later, we get this exchange. He's talking to the Otter Man. Can't promise that, I'm afraid, was Thorne's response. And now he smiled. Now you tell us. The weir rolled his eyes for dramatic emphasis. So yeah, once again, he's just any given uh, 13-year-old on TGIF, just, you know, <laughs> rolling his eyes. And Willow's like, no, I, I am 30 seconds away from from stopping your heart. So maybe, maybe knock <laughs> off the, uh, you know, the uh, Laura Winslow type of thing here. <laughs> well, well... Why hasn't this talent been used before? Again, like the... Uh, <laughs> He's very tired, Mike. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, like the uh, brownies with the... Suddenly there's a brand new power that is literally, you know, a hundred times what they had before. Because it like is blowing people back later. Great. They're shooting their little darts and it's like sending the maze and through the air and <laughs> pinning them to walls. And so, but that just appears out of nowhere. Right. Now, that is a very annoying tendency of Clucas here. Yeah, I bet that Clucas would probably say something like, you know, hey, like by the time uh, on like page 50, when he like raised mountains out of the ground and then like shot his blood into them, like how did you not understand he could do literally anything? Like that's right. on you, reader, if you didn't anticipate him stopping hearts with the snap of his fingers later. Uh, and he, so the, the fire drakes... Um, They're the deceivers doing, by the way. The deceivers doing, of course. <laughs> yes. Another thing I hate of of a writer. What, yeah, you're you're telling us this. Why are you insulting us by the deceivers doing? Of course. Yes, idiots. He, these these creatures I told you existed a paragraph ago. You must have been able to put two and two together. Right, whose motivations I have not made clear to you. They could have their own reason for doing it, but it's the deceiver, idiot. <laughs> but then he fills us in on some of the backstory, which I, I was delighted by. According to one legend, they were born with the universe and swam in the molten hearts of the stars themselves. While another belief held it that it was they who burned the holes in the fabric of the sky that allowed the heavenly radiance to shine through the waking world below. So I'm just imagining that playing out as like a Wikipedia edit war where those two people are. Uh, it's like, you know, how they're debating whether or not there's a, uh, a, a a dash or a colon in Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Like, uh, I don't think so. It's clear that they were born in the swam in the molten hearts of the stars themselves. And other people are <laughs> deleting that and editing it to say, like, no, no, they burned the holes in the fabric of the sky that allowed the heavenly radiance to shine through to the waking world below. Yeah, that was when they had uh, uh, two papal kingdoms for each belief. You yes. know, one in Constantinople and one in Europe. Yes. Yeah. The 95 fire drake theses are being nailed to doors across kingdoms. <laughs> yes. But the, I, I love that that happens during the this inferno. Like, this is an action scene. It's kind of like, you know, you're... you're elderly aunt telling a joke you know and getting to the end and, oh i forgot to tell you by the way that um right uh he he was a he he had been uh an insurance salesman and the right. other guy but anyway so and he, he had a degree says, in history that's why that was funny so right so this fire is sweeping over them and then you get you know paragraph descriptions of who the things are that are doing it like thanks <laughs> right yeah yeah the uh the uh what's it called cimmerillion of the fire drakes is is laid out for us uh, it's also nice of the author he he starts dropping uh he starts dropping holocaust as a description here too um he says there was no margin of safety uh they were in the heart of a true holocaust 
So this sort of implies that uh, that uh, Klukas believes that there are, are fake holocausts. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. So I'm yeah, I'm, that's my takeaway from this book. After 452 pages, that one of these two guys is a Holocaust denier. Oh dear, all that, right. it's, it's all there in the ta- on the page. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he honestly. It seems like before Alora does her thing, which I don't know, I don't have much on it. I was just sort of confused by it, where she sort of melds with these weird little, yeah, these fire drake birds or whatever. It seemed like he was maybe going to save them, like he was going to pull it off. It was very unclear, but it seemed like, I don't know, we could just ride this out with my spells. He's right. like sweating and casting these, you know, geese and spells and charms and it's it's kind of working mm-hmm. but then she melds with the creatures and saves them that way but yes i was like you know maybe you didn't have to do that because <laughs> he, he's a guy who can stop people's hearts when he wants right it's in in many ways it's similar to the to the storm beat of course because she pretty much goes out and tries the same thing uh she tried to you know stop the storm but she in this case she goes out and, and pets the fire drake like a cat and then she starts to glow and uh, it, it's described thusly. She held her hand before her as if seeing it for the first time. Fist, fist clenched and then released. In its hollow was a tiny shape with wings. And Thorn felt an awe that hadn't touched him since the birth of his first child. So, suck it, Thorn's second kid. <laughs> That's yeah, just, no uh, kidding. <laughs> it's very, it would have been very easy to say since the birth of either of his children. But I, uh, I suppose that one of them was just way less impressive than the first one. Yeah, and, and we, now we get this weird thing that he does a lot in this book is that the creatures are neither good nor bad, even though mm-hmm. they seem to be purest, purest evil. Now they're sitting there melding with him, and they're so beautiful, and there's you know laughter, and and they're they're colorful, and yeah. they're giddy, and like what? <laughs> yeah, they're like chanting on? things and stuff. It's yeah, but the deceiver's voice can be heard too. He's like taunting Thorn. Yep, there's some bold text. So I, I just didn't, this whole thing was a mess to me. Yeah. I, I didn't, uh, he just sort of like, you know, asks why you're doing this. And they're like, cause it's our nature. I think that's what we, you know, that's what we do. Like that, that. Why do you breathe? Well, I, that's, I have to like, so do we, I think that was the, it, it, I was way too tired for a uh, nature of good and evil debate, but this is not the, uh, this is not the last one. We get a free will debate coming soon as well. Oh, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was good. I'm a- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, here was a monster that created its own, a juggernaut engine of absolute destruction that pulled air to its center just like a hurricane, stoked it hot enough to vaporize steel, and mm. spat it away to carry flames to a new tinder. So, so he's a uh, he's yeah. also one of those guys. Combined with what we learned a few sentences earlier, it's uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's got really, all sorts of theories. He's coming into view here now. I'm getting a good picture of this guy. <laughs> he's caused us a lot of pain. I think it's fair to make a few uh, wild, unfounded, <laughs> libelous uh, conjectures at him. <laughs> oh, well, we did it to Sean Penn, so it's only fair. <laughs> uh, but then we get a, uh, a real uh, who boy moment. Uh, yeah. Laura stood before him lambent silver in the night which thankfully proved his fears wrong but brought forth a whole new host of horrors oh really there's a new host of horrors <laughs> in their turn once he realized she was stark naked <sighs> I, <ew. laughs> tugging at the collar now <laughs> yeah but also i mean if you're reading it with the uh, with the eye that we have you know she gets naked and that's described as a whole new host of horrors <laughs> not flattering <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, but really, why 
why is that a whole new host of horrors other yeah. than, than your theory that <laughs> having to look at her is right. is that i right. don't understand yeah. yeah just you know toss a toss your cloak over her and then we'll, we'll deal with that also you don't need to do that it doesn't seem it, uh, why why have uh why have nude 13 year olds running around your fantasy novel every other Noth- book has nothing comes succeeded it. without it yeah of course not i think she later puts on pants but maybe not a shirt i don't know it just added a whole new thing of weirdness especially when you know when people have written in and being like yeah it happens a lot in his comics too oh really no nah, or just you know the people being like bondaged up and stuff like that so Okay, so uh, fire can't melt steel, uh, Holocaust denier, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not going to say the word, sorry. I take it back. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, everyone survives, I guess, because she sort of disperses them by, by getting nude. Maybe, maybe I guess it was, the horrors were enough that the fire drakes were like, whoa, hey, like, you know, you didn't tell us this was going to happen. Like, where the hell's... Uh, where the hell's the uh, Scott Hansen? Like we're getting out of here. <laughs> but uh, then uh, they, they he he calls it a Holocaust once more. But then Rin is hurt after all this. I think he had taken a uh, one of the brownies' life force shafts to his neck or something. Uh, but someone says, "Have you the strength for a healing?" Willow says, uh, "Each time I think not, I discover there's more in the reservoir yet." You don't say. <laughs> I, I wish I could take a screenshot and. and send it to you i have the exact thing <laughs> you don't say and that sentence pulled out but then later this skips ahead just a little bit i'm tired and i'm weak and i'm not even sure i can save the one much less both <laughs> so he has no idea if he does or not he's both tired and ready to go but i can't pull this off but maybe uh i don't know yeah well, he's he's obsessed with his tiredness, but it doesn't affect anything ever. Right. Un- yes. Until it does. And until the it very last moment. Yeah. He gets so tired. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's almost like he's a kid playing sick for school or something like I can't do it. My stomach hurts. And then it's like, <laughs> get up, get out of bed. You're faking it. Oh, fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm eating Lucky Charms two minutes later. Um, but yeah, so I think he 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 heals Rin, maybe or not. But then they encounter a a deer. Who's standing mm-hmm. here? A, a stag uh, stood beyond. So everything's burned. Everything's this parched hellscape. There's ash, you know, up to their knees, um, you know. And then they see a stag stood beyond the smoothness of the fused earth. It was a magnificent beast standing as tall at the shoulder as Corey. <laughs> and so that was helpful because I had I had this really strong uh, mental picture of how tall Corey was. Um, oh, so sure. It, it Constantly was, being described. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to have that thrown out as, as, a, uh, as a comparison there. It helped me put the stag into a uh, mental image. It says, There was a majesty about the animal that was matched only by an indomitable will. If the forest had a king, this was truly he. Um, so they just, they size up this, this stag who's burnt to hell. Um, yeah, that's like, a, I'm picturing this magnificent, you know, like the, the Hartford insurance or whatever, the one that has the yes, big, yeah, the big proud points, deer, yeah. like turning its giant rack towards the camera. Uh, but then the, the stag's whole body had been <laughs> swept by the breath of the devil incarnate. Okay. So now those things are devils. Okay. Sure. Not enough to kill, not quickly, not decently it had been seared from crown to hooves <laughs> skin made raw blackened fresh flesh meat fresh off a grill 
Yeah. What a magnificent creature. Yes. The neural receptors had been burned away. That would change quickly as infections leached into the muscles and sinews and organs beneath. Its blood was probably thick with poison, far beyond the ability of liver and kidneys to process. It keeps going. The shock would wear off, the euphoria fade, and in the madness of pain, the animal would dash itself to death. Willow. Willow. <laughs> it's amazing. Also, also, my king. That's yeah. what I say. When I come upon someone who's just fled a burning building and their fingers are burnt off and they have no skin on their body, I kneel down before them as though a king. <laughs> yeah, it's he so he's pretty much described what like that, you know, that that monk would have looked like after he lit himself on fire. But yeah, he he, he immediately picks up that he's the king. Um and I just thought, you know, Bambi's mom got off easy. <laughs> she she right. just took like a, you know, a, 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 a bullet to the neck and that was it. Yeah. So he, he's uh, persuaded, I guess, by Alora to, uh, to heal the stag. Yeah. She says, you know, you, you healed Rin. Why not heal the stag? And he says, I'm alive. He wanted to say, because I have limits. I'm tired and I'm weak and I'm not sure I can save the one much less the both. But. But, but nothing emerged, saved a slow nod of acquiescence, because when it came right down to it, he didn't want to make any such choice. He wanted to save them both. And so he does. <laughs> he he heals the stag, like regenerates its skin, I guess gets its, you know, shocks its kidneys back into pumping the bile through. And then he talks to it as though, so he's clearly done this before. He talks to it like a doctor who's done a lot of things. And he, you know, like, you're going to be sore for a few days, but you know, just take these antibiotics as directed. It's right. right on the label. There's a pharmacy down below. Like, how many times has he done this to, right. to burnt stags? He knows exactly how this process is going to go. Right. The stag's like, okay, so I just take three of these then? Like, yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, every to try to take it with a meal. You know? Yeah. How is this going to affect my four stomachs? Oh, right. I, uh, I, I guess you are kind of different than, you know, healing the otter man because I, uh, yeah, it's bizarre, but it does, it does sort of sap him. It says, uh, once he's done, Thorn sat because he had no more strength to stand <laughs> with a body held together by strings like some badly constructed puppet. So puppets I, again. <laughs> yes. Are they the puppets with the pins in the legs? <laughs> they must that, be. They fold down. Well, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I wonder if those rubber bands are used in the construction of some of the puppets. It's probably. Maybe the, the well-constructed ones. Right, right. Um, we get one of these sentence constructions that are quite controversial. Sorry, I tried to do the British pronunciation and failed. <laughs> uh, caused quite a controversy. I think I know. Um, you, Frangine, offered haughtily. As Thorne restored vision to his own eyes, smell. My God. Yeah, so defend that one, pal. I don't want to hear any defense of this sentence structure. I wrote that dumb sentence of the week, maybe of the book. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, that is just an exercise in, you know, hey, like, you've read this far. Like, what the hell else are you going to do? I'm just going to throw all this garbage at you because you clearly have an appetite for it. I mean, what you the think hell? He's, you think he's getting meaner as he yeah, writes the book? Yeah. <laughs> he's just whipping it out, making you look at it. You. I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven words in between one word on either side of it. Ugh. Oh, but that joke, though, there's that wit. <laughs> yes. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> I like that he sort of, uh, he, he he nags the deer as well. He just even says, he wasn't a pretty beast by any standards. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to assume everyone is hideous uh, at every point until now, all right? Like, it's like, if he encounters, um, you know, uh, 
Jennifer Lopez or something. So, you know, we'll be like, I, I assume it's a hideous version of her that's like really let herself go. Like until she, you tell us otherwise. The, the poison and infection had taken hold of Miss Lopez. <laughs> her skin dripped off of her in great gory gouts of green blood. <laughs> Thorne thought he might be able to heal her, her once magnificent booty, but he is so tired as a, as a man s- sleeping outside of an inn that would not admit him because he was too tired to even warrant a bed. I can heal one cheek, perhaps, but not the other. <laughs> That's fine, she said. No Do one it has... then, wizard. Yes, no one has looked at me the same way since my eye detached and held out by the viscera that held it, uh, the eyeball into the socket. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that he missed an opportunity to neg our heroine. Okay. Our young prepubescent heroine. He does not miss a chance coming up here. (laughs) She folded herself into a switchback of calf and thigh and body, dropping her backside to her heels and resting her chin on her knee with that jointless ease so common to the very young. So far, so good. Yeah, it's common. Even when they're a bit plump. (laughs) You you almost had just a normal sentence about a nice young girl, but nope. Incredible! It's like a, uh, it's like a when a grandmother visits in a movie and they they can't help but like you know, mom, we we're, we're trying to be positive about Bobby's eating habits here, type of thing. Like, yes, <laughs> keep that up, and you won't be able to fit into that outfit, like type of thing. Right. God, yeah. But then she uh, then she says thank you. She said with a twist of her old asperity, I think. Yeah, there so it was. Right yes. back at it. <laughs> Uh, uh, I like this too. This, this I, I, Frangine was the guy who said you smell. Um, so he felt the need to to give us a description of Rule, but uh, Rule cast him a sour look, a streetwise hustler before the magistrate. <laughs> so I guess there are there are streetwise hustlers like rubber bands in the in the Willowverse. There's you know guys from from Times Square in the seventies that are always getting hauled before the magistrate, and they're you know what's the guy's name in uh, Starsky and Hutch? Huggy Bear. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> good pull, Huggy good, Bear. G- good to know. Older than hanging with Mr. Cooper. Um, well, there's also, <laughs> I think we just glossed over it, but remember, somebody was typecast. Yes. yes. So there, so add that to the Willowverse. <laughs> there, there are, uh, yeah, casting agents. I, I, want a, I want a pig girl type in this picture. <laughs> I have got the plumpest one around. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Corey, or no, no, I'm sorry, the dead body that Corey had taken over that it was had uh, all these suddenly appearing tattoos uh, had been uh, had been easily defied easy typecasting. Oh, good. So she beat the typecasting. So yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Others not so uh, not so easy. They have to play the uh, the angry captain. There's nothing they can do. Right. Uh, yeah. Then they said they had a, a, a. I thought I wrote down in my notes. Uh, they have a, they they pause this uh, climax of the book for a brief discussion on the uh, the ethics of night herons. Oh, God. Uh, and then three pages later, I went back and crossed out brief because they just go on about this like philosophy 101 majors. My note about it just says, because this is my last note of this uh, incredibly long chapter. Was, yeah, me too. Uh, the, the interminable talk about the night herons. I just had shut up, shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up. I couldn't believe I still had to be reading it. This is probably the part that made me the most angry in this wow. book. Yeah, it's very, uh, it sort of reminded me of, you know, Anakin Skywalker. So it's got that George Lucas, you know, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil, but it's just, they're creatures of evil, princess, not mine. Uh, 
she says, it isn't as if they have any bloody choice in the matter, you know. They're born that way, you know, which condemns them forever, Frangine. So it just goes back and forth like that. Yeah, but they, I mean, you have control over your own characters, idiot. So are they <laughs> evil or not? Why are you confusing us with it? Right. You know, they, they eat flesh and poison people. They live only to cause torture and horror. And then throughout the book, she's like, hey, they were nice to me. Good right. guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what? I don't understand what that is saying about her or what is she just is like your friend who hangs out with a loser. And you're like, that guy, you know, he, he robbed a bank. Like he was really down on his luck, man. He treats he's, me he's, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. He, buy, he's, he buys me things. He has to borrow the money to pay for them. But he, you know, he buyed me chocolate on Valentine's Day. Yeah. I don't well, know if I, they were just like I, feeding. I went to the gym with him and he stole my money, man. Like <laughs> it wasn't him. It's, it's, that happens a lot. You know? <laughs> he's going through a rough patch. You're enabling him through the rough patch. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it, maybe it was just her misery that they were, you know, sort of like into, I guess. Um, or maybe they just knew she was powerful, so they wanted to corrupt her. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter, I assume. Much like the Death Dogs, who played such a prominent role in the first third, they will be uh, hopefully forgotten in the uh, other two books of this series. Uh, but at least Corey is coming into sharp focus now. Yeah, she's as tall as a stag lord and uh, that tattooed. And uh, There's a coming up, and we'll discuss it, but there's a another size issue about the eagles, but uh, maybe we'll... <laughs> Sure. We'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the chapter ends with the Stag Lord uh, leading them forward uh, towards uh, what they hope is some sort of salvation. But it turns out to be uh, not so great. That's in chapter 14. Uh, I just wonder, as the Stag Lord is leading them away, because he's recently healed, and you know, he said for a while you're going to be, you know, this is going to be painful or whatever, and as you start to, as the flesh knits together and all that. So he leads them away, and is he going like, oh, God, son of a bitch. Ow. Oh, <laughs> Right. No, this way, guys. I'm good. I got this. Ow! Oh, my <laughs> liver is now, you know, pumping the poison out of the. Ah! <laughs> well, I was like, you, you still have to pay for this. This is not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna grunt your way out of uh, out of your copay here on this healing charge. He's also he he did probably did a, a cheap version of it because as a man who can stop someone's heart, he probably could have healed him all at once. But right. like, yes. eh, I'll give you the sixty percent version of this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So uh, so chapter 14 started off with a, uh, a statement I could not disagree more with. Uh, we, the Weir says, according to story, the world has two ways of ending, in fire or in ice. That sounds familiar. Hmm. Uh, then Alora says, I'm done with endings. I want no more of them. And I, I, I was just like, I, I would like nothing more than an immediate <laughs> quick ending. Why does this have 60 pages left in it? Yeah. <laughs> uh. The the first note that I have an astounding bit of information uh, about Rule. Okay, Rule made a very rude gesture. He picked <laughs> up on a military parade ground. <laughs> that was what inscrutable, what? <laughs> inscrutable. I have no, I have no idea what that meant. Whether Rule was in the military, whether he was coming to pay his respects at a at a parade uh, for veterans or something. Do brownies do they have compulsory service in the military before they're allowed to uh, put on their a puffy shirt and uh and cufflinks right. or i i don't know well maybe he was maybe when he got hauled before the magistrate as a streetwise hustler he said i'm going to give you one chance to 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 join the military and and shape up otherwise it's you know you're i'm throwing you in the clink 
Um, <laughs> but who, why are rude gestures being tossed around at a military parade? Is it like a, has, was it a controversy or war? Like people coming back from Vietnam and getting spit on? Was that that sort of situation? I I don't know. Maybe it's just that, you know, like while the drill instructors look in the other way, you know, venting or something. So maybe maybe it's just, yeah, it's a... It's a funny gesture, but crude. I, I don't know. I don't well, know. well, we also during this section, one of the eagles called Thorn Old Duffer. So that what? was a. Uh, so evidently, he's a uh, like a Wodehouse character as well. <laughs> I, I that that just sort of came out of the blue. They were talking about his how he's developing a human sense of humor because he's now essentially saying like you know don't go in there, and then uh, and then a few sentences later he says like well you know you can relax about that old duffer. <laughs> Wow. Well, speaking of humor, um, now they're just trudging along right now. And so this is just a dialogue uh, for the moment. But the, the the humor keeps on coming. Uh, I think this is between Rin and, and Willow, Thornbody. Mm. Uh, good, bad, and different? Not sure. You? I'm definitely good. Beat. When I'm not bad. But indifferent, never. You're developing a far too human sense of humor. <laughs> You, you were supposed to laugh at the part that was. Really- yeah, it is uh, very much you know the, the uh, you know the nineteenth uh, century you know encyclopedia of humor that you would find at like a book sale type of thing that would be filled with that kind of garbage. Uh, I think that was the eagle. I think that was the eagle who calls him old duffer. Oh, oh yes, yes. He's talking to the eagle, right? He's casting his. He's getting him to to do stuff for him, right? This is a a Anil. Oh, Anel? insight. Yeah, he's he's inciting him. And and so Anil or Anelli or whatever uh, becomes like a, the computer nerd in an '80s buddy cop movie or something. <laughs> He's like, "Could you show me a schematic of the whole city? Uh, if you could take me out for a steak and a martini on Saturday night." <laughs> oh, Sparks! You know, I wish I could. Right. He's asking her to like fly around and give me, you know, give me this view. Go a right. little lower. <laughs> Enhance. Okay. Yes, it's amazing. But uh, yeah, so they 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 are led by the stag lord into Doom Hall, where I assume that they thought that good things were going to happen. Um, and uh, Doom Hall, I think, was they, they question whether or not it's a volcano. Um, but anyway, they they go in there. We get a uh, very soon get a, a Iceman click from one of the brownies. His teeth came together with a sharp and resounding clack, and he spun on his heel to walk stiff legged away because they're still not into whether uh, he's a demon or not. Um, we get some, uh, he, he cooks some vegetables cause he thinks it'd be inappropriate to serve meat in front of the stag Lord. And then, uh, they sort of have some, some old fashioned stoner talk. They just start having like, you know, you ever wonder about what comes after in their day? Think of those who dwelled here. Were they the ones who made the world? What were they like to make their homes of mountains? Where'd they go? How would they feel to be forgotten? How will we when it's our turn? So, you know, we're 50 pages from the end of the book and we're getting, you know, the, the, talking about the first man in the vaguest, dumbass way possible. Yeah, this is in a gigantic, uh, we're here for quite a while, so we might as well bear down and talk about that. What is this space? I didn't, it seems to be either like the most gigantic room in the world. Yes, I think that's yeah, that's the answer to your question. And they're and they're trying to figure out whether it was man made or you know whatever you know, yeah, creature they, made or yeah it's sort of like uh, when you go in, down into like uh, Lou Ray caverns or something and they've got those big uh, underground rooms I guess but it's it's the biggest one of those ever there's a fire pit and uh, uh, it's inside a under underneath a mountain Mount Doomhall uh, yeah and then so 
they're in the dark, they're eating their vegetables, they're eating their vegan meal. And <laughs> then it's suddenly like uh, that scene where uh, Pee Wee Herman is out in the desert with, uh, with the criminal and uh, it's very dark and the eyeballs start appearing. Um, suddenly they see all the animals in the world standing yes. there. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it literally says all from the smallest bugs and lizards. So I assume he's, you know, like eyebrow mites and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, fleas uh, and lizards to full-grown mountain cats and highland rams, birds and beasts together, hunters and prey amongst their own kind are mixed in with others. Yeah. So they're just hanging out there. Like, uh, <laughs> what, what are you guys doing? They, <laughs> like, they, ah! they look and they see a polar bear. They're like, how did you get here? Like, what, <laughs> you know, how long did this take? Like, that's a tiger. Like, where they, they live on a two continents over. Uh, and, and they, uh, so he gets into a discussion with, uh, with the uh, stag lord. Yeah, so the stag lord, uh, you know, the, all, he has assembled literally every animal in the history of the world. Um, and then uh, as Thorn rose to his feet and started forward, so did he. Only the beast's aspect changed with every deliberate step. Flesh and sinew running like wax or mercury, turning him <sighs> to fox, owl, raven, mouse, spider. So that by the time he finally came to stand before the Nelwyn, he had manifested the form of every creature present, including, at last, a passable imitation of a daikini. So... He's, he's turned into a human, essentially. Do you think this guy, what, is he going to be a handsome man, but beautiful, like radiating uh, you know, energy? Yeah, I mean, picture, I guess, um, you know, a young Matthew McConaughey or something. Um, yeah, he was tall and had seen better days. <laughs> <laughs> just in case, just in case you were uncertain. But yeah, he, uh, he, he sort of goes on. He, he says, uh, this was a blessed place. The man said, his his voice as raw as his flesh, and there was a pain in it that had nothing to do with his wounds. All within lived in peace and harmony. So he's sort of reading them the riot act. He's he's saying what Guerin said, like before you came here, Nelwyn and Daikini, like we were we were getting along just fine. And that's to me that sounded a little suspicious. Like you know, uh, man gets blamed for a lot of things, sure, but like were they really like? doing fine before he got there. Um, yeah, you, you hear that claim a lot about, you know, they were a very peaceful race and like, well, then they're different than any other in all of history. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. So yeah, I had my questions. Where do you go when you have questions? You turn to the dark web. And of course, this yeah. has been the subject of massive debate. Uh, we talked about the that Fire Drake origin myth earlier. This makes that look like, you know, a discussion about, uh, you know, who should be uh, starting quarterback for the Jaguars or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, this yeah, it's like Oxford comma level of, of oh, vitriol. My God. Oh, yeah. Just people, you know, calling each other uh, Chris Claremont left and right, uh, you know, being like, you know, you're a Claremont. No, you are. Oh, uh, they, boy, they, they use so that on the bitter, dark yeah. yeah they on the dark web they use that instead of hitler but anyway so yeah they they one of the groups um who sort of thought more along the lines of me had sort of um presented this alternate version of, of what might have really happened here oh great wow yeah. and and you found that or yeah or you I, just, I, you're just mentioning it in passing i sort of put like i downloaded like a a rar file of dark web reenactments i put them on in the background just sort of while i'm doing stuff around the house and this one caught my ear um because you know because i agreed with it um and i tend to you know give more credence towards media that i personally agree with so um i'm gonna right, share right. it with all you now <laughs> okay let's <laughs> let's listen gather around me animal friends 
Fox, owl, raven, mouse, spider, this Nulwyn is to blame for the destruction of our lands. Hear me, Nulwyn. This was a blessed place. All within lived in peace and harmony. And now you have brought destruction. Um, Stag Lord? Yes, Mr. Mouse, what is it? Yeah, Mr. Mouse here. I just want to say it hasn't all been peace and harmony. In fact, Mr. Fox ate my wife last night. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Mouse. I'm sorry to hear that, but this Nulwyn has befouled our harmony with... Hey, do I not get a chance to defend myself here? Uh, Mr. Fox, what is it? I ate his wife, yes, but in my defense I've contracted mange. I'm pretty sure it was from Mr. Wolf, and I've not been in control of my emotions lately. Hey, that's ridiculous. Wolves are a proud breed, man. We don't get mange. Mr. Wolf, Mr. Fox, now's not the time. Who? Who? Mrs. Cuckoo laid her eggs in my nest and kicked my own eggs out. Yeah, and I'd do it again, you nocturnal fuck. Whoa. <laughs> Only suckers build their own nests. Go barf up some more poo. Fight! 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 There's not going to be any fights. We exist in harmony and peace. Oh, we did before this Nulwyn... Hi, Blackfly here. I feel that the insect community has long been underserved by the rest of the animal kingdom. Go to hell, you biting bastard! See? Just proves my point. Stag Lord, Mr. Bear just ate Mr. Fox. Arr, I got hungry. Stag Lord should have ordered delivery. Okay, if we can just stop eating each other and get back to peace and harmony. Mm, Stag Lord, thank you for not inviting any fish, <laughs> slimy bastards. I'm glad they go to separate schools. Mr. Weasel, I didn't not invite them. They're not here because they would die on land. Oink. Hey, I'd just like to say I'm tired of my appearance being used as a demeaning comparison. Pigs deserve dignity as much as anyone else. Oh, God! Sorry, turned out I was still hungry. Damn it, Mr. Bear. So anyway, peace and harmony have always been hallmarks of our kingdom and... Wait, where the hell did they go? Oh, they became the floor like five minutes ago. Son of a bitch. Got this entrail whip all ready for nothing. Say, were you going to whip people into peace or whip them into harmony? Go to hell, Mr. Mouse. I'm glad your wife's dead. <laughs> so am I. That pig had really started to chunk out. So, yeah, that was the uh, that was what really went down inside uh, Mount Doomhall. The uh, stag lord should uh, stay in his lane, I think. Yeah, you know what? That confirms my confirmation bias as, as well. I, <laughs> I I believe that's how it went down. My confirmation bias is that uh, those dark web reenactors. There's there's a guy on there who's like, you know, Billy West times a million in terms of his vocal talent. Oh, just, to, just really, really, yeah, good well, stuff. to become any character, um, you can never tell it was the same person doing all of those. So right, I can see why you sit and listen to them hours <laughs> on end. <laughs> Lauren does not care for it. Um, been a bit of a sticking point but i'm just like i just like this guy's voice he um once you once you realize it's him doing all of them you you appreciate his talent his wisdom sure sure yeah, i hear you and lauren aren't doing well i'm, I'm <laughs> sorry to hear that <laughs> she's leaving me for the guy who voices all those guys so yeah um uh, but yeah the, i mean the stag lord yeah they is, start calling him a, the stag lord by the way he's That's a real just, He's a real dick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> although I did appreciate the manling insult that he threw at Thorn. Yeah, very That's battlefield earth. Yeah, youngling. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but going back to that, though, just, just want to point it out. He, he said that every beast 
is there, right? Yeah. And and then the steps of approach to approaching Thorn, he turned into a manifestation of every beast. Yeah. So I just I'm thinking that one step where he became a tick uh, <laughs> is very interesting, and then he became like a, a puma. <laughs> And then a Bengal tiger, uh, th- those things, and then like a millipede. He he turned uh, into a uh, into a female white rhino, and the the last white rhino like briefly was like, uh-huh. and then he turned into <laughs> a skunk, and then he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so so just just picture that. That's what that's what happened. Yes. So just picture every animal and and fill in the fill in the blank there. Uh, so those those fish, those spitting fish turned into one of those for a second. <laughs> right. Those things that like skate along on top of a stream, a water strider. Yeah, yes. I mean there's only what probably like 3 million billion distinct species on the thing. So even if it was like, you know, a, a nanosecond per, we're going to be here for a while as he's as he's doing this. You know, right. Just and turn- then at some point he turns into an eagle and Thorn's like, "Uh, an oh." <laughs> Oh, stag lord. But yeah, I wrote down the same thing. I wrote he's he's kind of a dick cuz he starts uh he starts like whipping people. Yeah, what the what was <laughs> what's this? So he claws thorn across the face, I guess. Yeah. And draws he, enough blood and he he makes a whip out of the blood. Yeah, so this is a thing that happens a lot in the Willowverse. People uh, usually want to take your own body to make a whip to yes, wield it, but That's what happened takes, to the woman on the boat. Yes, uh, but he takes just a, you know, a quart, I don't know, a pint of uh, of blood out of uh, yeah. Willow's face <laughs> and turns that into a whip and then whips Alora with it. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, he, he thrust out his right arm and Thorn's blood leaped forth from outstretched fingers, becoming the rough braided body of a whip to rake diagonally across Elora's back from shoulder to hip. Uh, no, the scene was not set physically. So when that came up, I'm like, where, wait, where's Alora standing? What's happening? I thought yeah. they were kind of walking in the middle to meet, you know, like a standoff thing. Yeah. But but I guess Alora was just hanging out with her back to them while this was happening. She was over by the capybaras and next to the yeah. uh next to the uh the lesser lemurs. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh it says this says uh it's too late. Thorne saw that Alora sat too close. He couldn't go to her. He dared not turn his back on the stag lord sensing he'd be impaled within a brace of steps. And the, the Thorne saved the stag lord's life, right? His kidneys and liver were failing, and he was just his flesh had been sloughed off, and and Thorn brought him back for the brink of death. So, yeah, yeah, a dick, a huge dick, a, a total dick. And then this happens with the, I guess he uh, he he t- turns the whip on Willow or something, and the, oh yeah, the blood whip came now for him. His vision flooding scarlet as tendrils stabbed through his eyes. And poured fury into every particle of his body. And I just thought, eh, Willow's head worse. Yes. <laughs> he said, until you start adding a billion times worse than any, uh, you know, pain that any human has ever conceived in any conceivable universe. Don't talk to me until you get to that level. Yeah, this that's nothing. That's essentially Willow before he's had his coffee is like that level of pain. <laughs> Into every particle of his body. It's incredible. I mean, he's we've joked about him being tired, but yeah, he's he's experienced more pain and it just keeps, you know, it keeps it goes starts at eleven and, and keeps going up. This was another one. The energies of the blood whip arced around and through them both, spread eagling thorn and stretching his extremities to their utmost until joints began to pop from their sockets. 
His mouth had likewise gone wide as flesh would allow, teeth bared to such an extent he thought all of the component parts of him would tear apart, his expression twisting into a rictus of unbearable agony (laughs) 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 that he knew was but a fraction of what the stag lord had endured from the fire. And then here we go. He and the stag lord had shared blood. Now they shared life. The skeins of their pasts rising from every orifice. (laughs) <laughs> so there's just there's just life shooting out of their butts, sharing, <laughs> intertwining, rictuses. Like there's like you know a corgi in the corner being like, do we have to be here for this? Like why did we why do we need to see this weird uh, orifice stuff? Um, <laughs> but here this is amazing. So we've already been down to like the subatomic level on him. Uh, now we're talking about orifices. So you know the the scope and level keep zooming in and out. But then it continues right after the orifice, right down to the pores of their skin. (laughs) And Thorn found himself in the depths of the primeval wood, moving with stately grace on four hoofed feet, secure in his speed and strength, and the deadly prongs that tipped his antlers to keep him safe. Um, How many entities is he melded with again? (laughs) And out of how many areas? So every single pore. And then, you know, you got your ears, nose holes, like, uh, you know, throats. Like, that's just, uh, again. So now that they're melded, too, is the stag lord going, oh, this was a bad idea because I've just poured fury into every particle of his body. Yeah. Ah, is this my I'm viscera him. or was that one ah. yours? I, uh, yeah. crap. Uh, damn it. I wish I hadn't done this in front of literally every animal that exists because I, uh, <laughs> I am not getting reelected. <laughs> uh, and then the agony meter. Uh, oh no! You, this this has to be the the most agony he can ever feel. I mean, we just read that part out loud. Yeah, a I can't, fury into every particle of his body. I can't yeah. imagine anything worse than that. Too late, as he touched <laughs> the net, he realized he'd been tricked, and the sight before him an intentionally cruel illusion. The strands flowed out and up and over him. The barbs <laughs> reversing themselves to stab through clothes and skin and fill him with a poison that numbed his limbs and flooded him with an agony that far surpassed even what the stag lord had just put him through. <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> oh, my God. God, That's shut a, up. Yeah, You're a right. child. <laughs> it is. It's infinity plus one. Ah, oh, so stupid. <laughs> um, but it does bring us to, uh, finally, this is one of my favorite things, a sonic challenge okay. for you. All right, great. You ready? This one's tough. Uh, the stallion screamed like a woman. <laughs> a high-pitched ulu- ululation that resounded through the hall, freakishly gaining in intensity before it began to fade away. God. All right. So All right. Uh, back away from the mic, if yep. you would, and give us the stallion screaming like a woman, high-pitched ululation that resounded through the hall, freakishly gaining in intensity before it began to fade away. Here's uh, See if you can match the talent of that voice actor you so enthused about not so long ago. All right. I got it. All right. <laughs> the fading sorry away i stepped wasn't... on a turkey as i was backing away to uh to do that uh the uh, fading away wasn't as freakish as i'd like but no. uh, oh i thought it faded in sorry damn it we'll uh we'll fix that in post so good wonder if good wonder enough. if the wonder if the stallion screamed like uh this woman i wonder if she was attractive or uh just uh you know careworn or <laughs> um yeah well i fine i've got one for you oh good good all right okay uh, Thorn was bawling defiance. It was all he could do. Make these idiot sounds. The poison had severed the linkages between mind and voice, stripping him of the ability to express himself with any coherence. 
Uh, okay, what was the? F- I'm backed away from the mic. What was uh, the bawling? Bawling defiance, uh, making idiot sounds because the poison has stripped him of the ability to express himself with any coherence. Oh, I think I think I've got it. Uh, <laughs> I have a uh, I have a precedent for it. See if you can recognize it. But this is pretty much what I picked. <laughs> no, no, don't you do it? Don't you do it? I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. Not- very nice very nice yeah yeah Yeah, i think i think that maybe uh maybe uh that richard Gere character was in the uh, military parade where uh rule saw the rude gesture richard Gere, who's that now (laughs) uh unattractive man you probably best not to uh uh the whole floor began to move in every conceivable direction god as though it were a pool of water suddenly unleashed into an open drain but but Willow is the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really? Sonic challenge. You God, ready again? I'm, I'm sorry, but there were so few in the. So I'm having a ball here, uh, pulling these up. Uh, Anna Kiri's ragged cries went unheard at first amidst the howling, rowling cacophony. Uh, you might want to get a pen of roars, yips, squeals, squawks, and chitters. I'm not done. Not to mention the scrabble of every kind of foot upon the stone as the animals all fled. And the more than occasional scream as each took its toll of the other. God. So you got you got a lot going on. This here. is you ridiculous. Might wanna, you might want to take a minute. Pimping someone out yourself. in an improv scene. Uh I mean, just like this is Michael Winslow turf, this but uh So ragged cries. Uh, I don't don't uh Skimp on the howling, rowling cacophony of roars, yips, squeals, squawks, and chitters. God. And then the scrabble. Good luck with that. You're on your own. I don't know what you're going to do there. But uh, give it a go. <laughs> I'm reminded of that video that the guy made, like the first YouTube video that then uh, Aziz Ansari parodied on Human Giant, just like the oh, faces, yes. like. <laughs> oh yeah, that is that's right. I'd forgotten that. That was, oh, that was based story. in reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the the reason that that's happening is because we essentially have the 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 Bambi Red Wedding happening here. They've gathered every animal in the world, and then it's revealed that like there's archers and and bad guys and 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 thunder riders and Anna Carey are like just picking people off one by one from the rafters here. Yeah, again the the space they they came in. They did not do good reconnaissance on this space on uh, Doom Hall. Yeah, they yeah most people you want to hey you want to check at this see if there's a bear in this cave before we <laughs> uh, settle down to make our vegetable stew. No, they they missed um, every animal in the world, right? And an army bigger than uh, you know the uh, the, the Chinese uh, army uh, yes. currently <laughs> uh, standing around uh, on uh, sniper perches. Uh, they didn't uh, take a torch and just hold it out at arm's length and go, maybe we should go have our lunch somewhere else. No, they, they just settled, settled down and this happened. So This is why I thought that if only Thorin had had like a fifth type of sight, maybe he would have been able to pick up on this because inside, outside, mage sights, they just, it wasn't enough to detect the presence of a million people and creatures here. Connor, he was tired. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and the uh, we get this uh, another uh, Adjeron Willow, uh, as you will. 
He was a mess. This is the stag lord. One leg slashed multiple times to the bone, a wicked gash along his flank as well, so sodden with blood that she was sure a major vessel had been severed, while the other leg was visibly broken above and below the knee. God. So, so Willow. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 you get another one of that here. Uh, the stag stood as much as he had atop the reef, legs splayed, chest heaving. Only in this instance, each pump of his heart sent another helping of his life, pouring through a skin festooned with iron quills. There was blood on his muzzle and streaming from his mouth, together with a crimson froth that meant his lungs had been punctured. So he's like uh, he's like Willem Dafoe. Is it him getting gunned down in Platoon? Just as the uh, yes, Adiago yeah. for strings plays in the background. So, but just you know that combined with like the uh, intentional gore, like you know, over the top of a Tarantino movie or something, or Evil Dead. And uh, are you going to leave that pronunciation of Adagio out there for everyone? <laughs> I'm look. I'm looking out for you. How right? do you that... Adagio? Adagio. What did I say? Adiago, I think you pronounce Asiago cheese. cheese. I don't know what you did. Yes. Uh, hmm. so as we <laughs> as we move on, <laughs> yes, uh, moving on, we can we can have a uh, have that song play over my 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 mispronunciations of words that I've read. <laughs> I know those words from reading. Um, uh, as our as our closer here. Um. So yeah, like Garen is here, right? And then he's he's trying to he shows back up because he has sworn an oath to defend the Princess Anna Carey and the realm. So he's he's trying to uh, take her, defend her, or take Willow back, or arrest him or something. Yes, he's serving uh, Anna Carey, but he's also serving uh, Alora Dannon. Yeah. But this is sort of when I started to realize, like, oh, none of this crap is getting resolved in this book. They are 100% just going to sort of, you know, end like an episode of a TV show. Like, we'll pick this up in book two, uh, you know, 500 more pages, and then book three before any of this is actually done. Oh, man. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's not our concern. Oh, no, no, it is certainly assuredly. not. Yeah, these, these books do, second book and third books do not exist as far as I am concerned. Uh, so, but then it really is just like a... Uh, you know, it's it's like a drawing room comedy or something. Everyone just shows up, right? Yeah. The Deceiver suddenly appears. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Carey's there. Garen's back. It's just the whole gang hanging <laughs> out in this cave. Oh, and every animal in the world. So, <laughs> Who's, whose heart isn't currently enough. beating on the floor like, you know. Right. You, um, but yeah, I just started writing down notes like, you know, the deceiver incapacitates Modri, the eagles attack, Thorn freezes some people with his acorns, there's a fake Alora, I think, at some point in time, the deceiver inhabits the fireplace, but then Thorn freezes the fire with an acorn. Uh-huh. Night yeah. herons attack and <laughs> you know, start eating flesh and poisoning people. We get some rapid ice uh, Iceman chomps. Thorn heard the chatter of teeth clamping his mouth tight till the realization they were his own. And then he he stokes the fire to you know prevent himself from growing so cold. I think because the deceiver's fire is so cold. Uh, did did were your mind's eye ever able to put any of this in any physical space? No, utter chaos, utter chaos. I, I could not make the slightest picture come into focus yeah. of what was happening. It is a hundred percent the guy, um, the our theory from before about the, him relying on the artist to sort of sketch all this stuff out. Yeah, uh, it's so just basically it's a stew of everything and every power that they can do happening all at the same time. Yeah, um, there's archers, there's chaos, there's and and again while this is happening, uh, Connor's uh, earlier yips, squeaks, chitters, and everything is happening <laughs> all at once. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, so. That, that just adds to the chaos because that's that's constantly happening. Yeah, it just probably is like what you know when I watch video of people playing like at the high level of uh, you know Command and Conquer or World of Warcraft or one of those games where it's like, how do you keep track of all this garbage? Like that's I think just what we're what we're supposed to be led to believe is happening here. Yes, but in the middle of it, so the Deceiver and Elora kind of have this standoff. Uh, again, there's like a fake Allura or what I, I don't know. She like leaves a skin of herself. Yeah, I, maybe that's the silver cares? she left behind. <laughs> but while observing it, Thorne had never seen so artful a seduction. Never imagined such a thing possible. As this deceiver spoke longingly, lovingly of all the secret places in Alora's heart. Careful now, Clucas. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> An He's artful seduction. Of the uh, potentially still nude uh, teen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, gross. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, and, you know, by this point, we are we have absolutely no idea uh, what's going on with the Deceiver, where he came from. Uh, he does, uh, in the next chapter, start calling himself the Deceiver. So he's sort of like, you know, taking, taking the word back, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we, we don't know. I think he, he, he at one point in time, starts looking like Hot Willow again briefly, but it's like it won't hold. You know, I guess his, his magic is, is not... Uh, is not um, strong enough, so he, that sort of uh, fades as soon as he reassumes it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's trying to. I don't I, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, uh, and but, then, so yeah. she escapes, right? Yeah, they both escape. Uh, they by, they they do the uh, uh, warping. Yep, they go into the wall. Uh, he holds them all tightly and therefore warps with them. So this is something <laughs> I guess he knew was going to work. Don't know how. You know what I mean? He he only had melded with the demon not not that long ago. Yeah, I don't know that he had brought anyone else into the wall or floor with him before. Yeah, so but he does that, and they pop out in some place. I couldn't even figure out where they were. I mean, uh, it's just like bring them to another room. I don't know. It's like a door slamming comedy at this point. I can't figure out where. Yeah, it's where, like when you pl- used to uh, if you ever when you played Doom, if you used like the cheat code, then you could walk through the wall and you yes, would sort of exactly. see like the. The, the the wireframe of what the level designer had made. Like you see through it back into the room. It's like that, I think. Yeah. So he just goes through a wall. And then the deceiver, somehow they they hurt the deceiver. I didn't I didn't really pick up how, but you know, she did something to him. She she stood in front of them all and the fire went around them. Whatever. I don't know. Um but then he inhabits the body of Modri. Modri. Yes. Who was just a, the captain that was hanging out with Anna Kiri or something? Yeah, that was the. I think he was the Castellan. Castellan. Oh, so Modri and the Castellan are the same. You son of a yeah. bitch, Clucas. <laughs> he starts doing that too. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, but I think this is chapter fifteen, just to be us uh, to be on the up and up, where all this stuff starts happening. Oh yes, my uh, again, my ebook is all missed. The, okay. <laughs> the, the chapters are all different than what are in the book. Uh, but yeah, so it, it starts off when uh, they're in the wall, and he says that the uh, the, the rocks of the wall. Uh, we didn't ask for permission, but they may not appreciate trespassers. But if we don't make too much of a rumpus, I think we can pass in safety. So uh, they haven't made too much of a rumpus yet with every animal yipping and blood tendril whips being cracked across teenage girls' backs. But um, as long as they don't make too much of a rumpus anymore, I guess, is what he meant. They'll, they'll right. be okay to, <laughs> to pass through here. Um, we get another great Alora description. The raccoon circles under her eyes were so pronounced, as were the hollows of her sockets, that she looked like she'd been soundly punched. 
Um, she's been through a lot. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the deceiver starts to, uh, starts to, uh, become Modri. He says, ah, Modri, never deceive a deceiver. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, you know, Shaq at a press conference being like, Shaq was out there, you know, the, <laughs> the big unit was playing hard tonight. Um, you know, Shaq's got to get the ball in the paint more. Oh, uh, yes. Bo Jackson, did he pioneer that? Yeah, Bo knows Bo. Uh, Ricky Henderson, famously, there's a there's a great David Cross bit about that. Um, Jimmy on Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> uh, my notes get thinner here, I got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the end was in sight. It was, uh, you know, it's like watching the final, you know, episode of a Ken Burns documentary or something. You're like, uh, I've made it all this way, but I've really checked out. Yeah, but so plot-wise, they so they're in a different hallway, whatever, and they're all together going. Um, you know, he's we heard him, but he's not done. He's coming for us still. The deceiver, that is. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. The, the he the deceiver as Modry, I think. But the Eagles and and the the Brownies they hung around back in the big in the animal cave. Yeah, they hung around because because uh, Rule is shooting shaft after tiny shaft at the bad guys. Okay, and uh, and by the way, what does that place smell like? Oh my after god! All, every animal in the world had uh, had fled in in you know stark terror. Yeah, uh, you, you know what happens to animals? <laughs> yes, just so slippery and bile <laughs> everywhere and blood whips. Uh, so yeah, so the deceiver becomes Modri. Um, who knows why? I guess just he was laying there, might as well, or what? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe there's been a lot of discussion about who the uh, who the hell is on the cover of this book. Um, and uh, so, yeah, who is that? <laughs> that could so that could be Modri. He's got a sweet suit of armor and a badass sword. So maybe that's uh, maybe the deceiver just wanted that uh, that weapon and that protection of his uh, his fancy mail on the front of that. Huh. Yeah. All right. So the Eagles are flying around and they're shooting crap at, at Modri. Mm-hmm. Um, Shafts. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, but isn't there at one point, I'm, I can't find, I guess I didn't make a note about it. Somebody tucks one of the Eagles under his arm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, d- d- they dive after him and I think Thorne just picks him up. Um, you know, he knows the Eagle's not going to like it, but he picks him up like a football and just sort of like runs because he knows otherwise it's going to get like picked out of the sky, I guess. <laughs> How big did you think the eagles were? I thought they were big. Yeah, like a condor or something. Yeah, because they were they were talking about blowing riding people. them, right? Yeah, and, and but the, they're just like chickens. No, they, yeah, they have to be like a Great Dane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he picks them up like a yeah. I mean, just uh, like a little a Chihuahua at Paris Hilton. That that was just a big shock to me coming this late in the book. I mean, they they never came into focus really, but I just always assumed since he's stealing stuff, he's he's stealing Tolkien like right. eagles. Yeah. yeah, but but no, they're they're like parrots or something. <laughs> um, well, I think what did, what did, oh yeah, she, Laura just got called a raccoon. Also in this section, uh, it says she gets compared to a ferret and a monkey. Um, so just you know, fellas out there. The big day, February fourteenth, is coming up. So, if you need some inspiration for the Valentine's card, those are three <laughs> uh, three flattering ones to, uh, to to maybe work into that um, for your for your loved one. Uh, here is a, a strange place for a. I guess this is an odd joke. I don't get it, but see what you can make of this. I think they're carrying a Laura or something. 
Uh, she tried sitting with them. This is her leg. She tried sitting with them straight out before her, bent knee up in the air, bent knee flopped out to the side, cross-legged. She even considered amputation. <laughs> I mean, ha-ha or what? Yeah. I, I mean, I, we're, not taking her at, we're not taking him at his word, so that has to be a joke. But what to what end? Uh, is that when she's trapped in the wall and is sort of trying to figure out how to move? Uh, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. I've, look, I've, <laughs> nothing's in focus anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If it's meant as a joke, you probably shouldn't have like, you know, jaws being extended well past the point where the bones are cracking and, uh, every pore being stretched to its limit. If that's, uh, yeah. if, if you don't actually mean she wants to amputate her own leg, cause it's pretty small potatoes at this point in time. Yeah. The, the soil in which you're trying to grow these jokes, uh, it, it can't be, you know, agony in every particle of every cr- uh, character's body is not a good place to then crack wise in the <laughs> middle of it. Uh, especially when it's not coming from, you know, it's the narrator's point of view. Like, right. We're we're not we're not laughing anymore. We're <laughs> yes, past exactly. that. Yeah. If you want to crack wise, you got those uh, those bon vivants, uh, the, the brownies to do that. Yeah, they can crack wise and have like a whole you know paragraph in between their uh, the setup and the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, this was good. Uh, Garen had figured out what she'd done. He'd blocked one way and a fast flash over the other shoulder brought Anna Carey into view at the head of a whole new band of black clad warriors, which was when a pair of leather clad arms rose up from the floor to yank her into the body of the mountain. So the floor is back, baby. Yeah. We had some wall diversion. No one cared for that, but going back to what brought us here. (laughs) Oh, floor. We missed you, man. Um, we got a good uh, we got a good description of uh, uh, I guess when she's talking uh, from Thorn. Uh, yeah, so Thorn is, is he's very tired, so I guess that's affecting his vocal cords. He says, "So I'm going to challenge you for this one. We know you, Deceiver." She heard issue from Thorn's mouth, but it was nothing that approached human speech. She thought of rocks the size of continents grinding together to shape raw sound into words. Okay, I think I got that. We know you. The- we know you, Deceiver. We know you deceive her as rocks grinding together like continent-sized continents. rocks. Yeah. Thank you, Mister Nolte. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's on a good day. That's when he's had a good breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The... As he's sucking on a sucrets and. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! All right, um, and I'll I'll be honest here. I have only a few more notes. No oh, wow. The action of well, it's just because. It's just incomprehensible action. So I, I don't, I couldn't place where anyone was. There's a lot of climbing and rope climbing, and yeah. people are on ledges, and then they're on other ledges, and then negative they're being space down and floors. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I'll pass it over to you as far as what you've got. I don't have a lot more. Sure, we can we can sort of speed through. Um. But a a, a night heron. Uh. The there's a second night heron that uh that attacks Thorn. Um. Believe it or not, uh, this causes uh, some some. Well, it doesn't feel good. I'll just say Wait, that. Really? Yeah. Really? What is there? Is there any physical <laughs> description that might be? Uh... Uh, there are, but it might leave you wanting. Uh, he was hanging by his fingers, scrabbling with toes for a flaw in the facing he was sure he'd seen before committing himself, wondering if Alora could catch him if he should simply drop. The air gusting thick with sulfur from the rising lava, which in turns made it too hot to breathe. When a brace of knife points stabbed him in the back, he had. No words for the pain. <laughs> oh, my God. It was beyond human <laughs> comprehension, has he? 
It's, there's no words for the pain because they've spent, you know, 2,000 words in this book already describing various escalating levels of pain. Uh, at one point with the the demon, wasn't he, you know, every atom of his body was stretched over a million universes uh, of agony? So yes. <laughs> we stopped listening a long time ago. <laughs> um, but so he, like, shoves a acorn into the night heron's mouth and it shatters and then at this point, this this just just happened. Uh, Alora cries out, "Drumheller, you've set off a volcano!" And I'm just like, at this point, why not? You know, like <laughs> if we're just if this is all happening, like I, I you know, you got to hand it to him at this point in time. Sure, toss a volcano into the mix. Uh, and you know, the hurricane, of course, was already going, and the forest fire is just getting there. So uh, this should be good. <laughs> uh, Garen uh, is trapped. I guess he was he. Uh, needed to rescue in a carry, but he's trapped on some ledge. Like you said, it's hard to tell where things are. And Alora, even though Garen has betrayed them multiple times, <laughs> says uh, there must be something we can use to save him. And she starts burrowing through his pouches. Why don't you have a rope in here? There was, of course, and because it was what she truly desired, it came to her hand complete with a grappling hook. So we've got volcanoes erupting. We've got just the most insane Deus ex machina is happening. Uh, it's really just a. Uh, you know, banging on the keyboard uh, like Charles E. Harris, you know, one foot out the door on the way to uh, Chili's happy hour. We need <laughs> so a hook. She, yeah, uh, sure. Why not? Uh, did she wish for the hook or was it just kind of like, do you got a rope in here? And then uh, she, oh, I didn't even know I was wishing for a grappling hook, <laughs> right. but I, yeah. I, I, I was, I guess. Yeah. 12-year-old girl lived her whole life secluded in the tower. Decent chance she is, does not know what a grappling hook is. It's not like she was watching, you know, Adam West Batman reruns Suddenly uh, she's bare grills here, you know, <laughs> scrabbling down volcano faces. <laughs> um. Oh, this was another, uh, we, we were probably at like, what, 430 pages at this point in time. They have buried a major lead about one of our characters. Uh, the young man stared in horror, uh, so Garen accidentally stabs Princess Anna Carey. As the princess crumbled to his feet, the act of falling, pulling her body clear of the blade that had impaled it, he'd run her right through. Put down your sword, Garen, Rin said in the calm, implacable voice. Yeah. That he boasted of using to scare off killer whales. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Oh, man. We'll yeah. Cut to that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We've got this amazing free willy story happening somewhere, but instead we get this garbage. So the uh, there are uh, uh, river dwellers, though, right? Uh, yeah, potentially so in a... killer whales are... Uh, a little out of their beat there, but, uh, I suppose. Well, cruising, it's a bay that cruising down the river. It's a bay that some consider a small ocean. So, uh, oh, okay, that's yeah. right. Maybe when right. the silting builds up, the whales get confused and come on in there. Right. It's like those. Uh, they're starting to discover uh, saltwater sharks are uh, you know way up river now. So it's a big concern. <laughs> they're they're changing. They're probably scared of the ottermen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Garen takes, uh, Alora, and I guess swings Anna Carey to safety with the grappling hook. And yeah. And he says he's going to save her, Anna Carey, that is, even though she's been, she's been run through. Yeah. By himself. Yes. But um, she's, I mean, he just knows he does the, uh, diagnosis and is like, you'll be fine if I can just get you to another ledge. right yes yeah right he does the uh you know the type of thing in movies we see all the time the idea of you know swinging on a thing and jumping off on a ledge difficult for for an average joe to do the idea of another person hanging on to you or you carrying them as you do that of course impossible but uh, he's going to do it with a woman who has yeah just been stabbed with his own sword 
And as always, isn't it something like now we need to get Willow to heal her? Oh, yep. And this is where it finally it finally happens. He's he's gotten too tired. Oh, no. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Sorrow was stark on his face and fatigue as well. Sorcery wasn't an option any longer. He stood by active will. His body could do no more. His reserves had been drained dry, as had the deceivers. Wow. Yeah, it finally happened. It's like but, uh, it's like finally seeing the neighbor's face on home improvement. <laughs> We've all been waiting for it, and you know, Willow is finally too tired. Um. So, but the Rin, who who had just been using the calm, implacable voice he used to scare um, uh, killer whales. whales away, uh, suddenly screams at the Pathfinder, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> Rin raged, which got him a roguish grin from Garen in reply. <laughs> So his lady is bleeding out on this little rock outcropping next to him. Yeah. Who he's been sworn to protect. Yeah. So he's like, you know, the, uh, I mean, sure. Like any other archetype in fantasy where that has happened. <laughs> yeah. But they have a little, uh, you know, hilarious, uh, uh you know, uh, we're enemies, but friends fight in the middle of all of this, yeah. you know, roguish grins. And he's, I'm a pathfinder. He said, brandishing the rope. We climb as well as ride. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a Princess Bride drew duel, you know, like you know, you did not know I am left handed type of thing. Yeah. Oh, and he calls him he calls him a furball in the middle of that. <laughs> that is the Lucas influence. I think we can all agree he was yes. still uh, he was still popping in from time to time. So then Garen's c- confused character comes in. I can't figure out what he's he's true to his princess. The princess loves the Modri, right? Uh, yeah, who, who I think dies after the deceiver inhabits him. Right. Uh, so I, I don't, I just didn't understand the whole triple. What is Garen's true thing? What, uh, I mean, his true motivation. I never really pieced think, it all together. I think that's sort of like we're led to believe it's, it's this archetype where he's, you know, unlike night herons, he wasn't born bad. He, uh, he's just doing what he thinks is the right thing, even if it's, you know, against uh, characters who did not mean him any harm. You know, he's trying to protect the princess. So as he dies, he he sort of gets a, uh, you know, a Tolkienian heroes-esque death. He dies yelling like, for Angwin, for the princess royal. And then he's crushed by, you know, volcano or cliff or something. Right. All of this is happening while Mount Doom is exploding, of course. Yes. Yeah. Mount Doom Hall, please. Yes. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> uh, so Garen is dead. And now we're, t- we're truly getting near the end, aren't we're we? We're truly, yeah, four pages from the end at this point, which, like, I mean, this was when it was sort of just the, uh, you know, the, the hallelujah chorus sort of started to build in my uh, in my head as it was, <laughs> or the, the, the end of uh, Beethoven's Ninth. Yeah, finally. We're almost there. Um, that's my... But I don't have any... I have one more note, but it's right towards the end. So, okay. Well, yeah, uh, they, they, they are sort of outside. They're sort of, uh, they're sort of uh, you know, recouping from this whole thing. I don't know. Uh, the Deceiver's gone. Uh, Anna Carey's been taken back by her army. Um, but uh, Thorne takes this time to go and sort of 
have a moment with Alora. He brings her a uh, steaming mug of broth, and it turns her into a woman in a tea ad. <laughs> yes. A, she, she wrapped her hands around the mug to warm them before hazarding a sip. She sat as she huddled into herself as she could manage, back to a standing stone, legs pulled close to her chest. So she's uh, just, yeah, assuming, assuming that stock photo image. She is, uh, she, right before that was uh, eating yogurt uh, with a spoon upside down and <laughs> smiling and like pulling the spoon out like a, at, you know, arm's length and going, ah. Yeah. Thorin was like, hey, uh, do, you, do you want a steaming mug of broth? And she goes, I'd like that. I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we had that broth in Paris? What was the name of that waiter? Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. Oh, man. We have, we have delved deep into, uh. 25 plus year old references on this one. Oh, it's for the kids. For the kids. <laughs> um, but I, I was puzzled by the. So after the basically, you know, Mount Doom explodes, it seems like he just cut two. I don't. Yeah. I don't it, right? Like it's a just mountain, a hard yeah. cut. Yeah. Just like sort of a, uh, just, you know, outside watching the, watching the smoke uh, clear off in the distance, I guess. Yeah. Smash cut two. But here's uh, my last note is a, a note of bitter. Bitter regret. Okay. Um, when she this, accuses I, him of growing another beets. another lead buried here. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, she says you you want to get back to your beets. He's no, I didn't grow that. I grew whatever and wheat. Burgle cut grew beets. <laughs> Why in the name of hell is this the first we're hearing of burgle cut? Truly incredible. Cheated. Cheated. Yeah. Four hundred oh, and what? Forty seven pages. Whatever. Uh, no burgle cut until final page. Burgle cut the beat farmer. I mean, just to have a, my favorite character emerge in the second to last page felt, yeah, such a bitter, bitter, uh, hollow victory uh, in terms of finishing this book. Yeah, talk about a you know crotch kick from Clucas uh, at the end. This book <laughs> could have been much shorter and could have been about burgle cut. Imagine a world in which that had happened. <laughs> I am looking him up just now for the first time. Um, the, the, when we watch this movie seems like another lifetime, but he is the, uh, hideous, uh, bald guy who looked kind of like Ben Franklin who got like crapped on by a bird and like, uh, Oh, he, Oh, wow. So this is, uh, this is a treat for the fans. Yeah. They, uh, they threw you one last bone. Wow. So, so that was Burgle cut the beet farmer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that was a, uh. Yeah, I guess it's an Easter egg. You must consider that. But uh, Burgle Cut, we hardly knew ye. Uh, so uh, there are some people then who probably, instead of being outraged like us, were like, well, you know, that was a struggle. It was the worst thing I ever read. It took me six weeks and every single second was painful. But he mentioned my favorite character, Burgle Cut. <laughs> yes. All is forgiven, friend. Yes. Ernest Klein felt a knowing smile of recognition grow across his face as he read the name <laughs> of Burgle Cut the Beat Farmer. <laughs> Burgle cut. Oh, he really yeah. teased it out on me, man. He's a master. <laughs> he knew right where to place it. Oh, but uh, that is not the final thing. The final thing is it was set up in the prologue. He, uh, she says she misses her bear, uh, which yeah. we, was set up, and so he, of course, has it. It's in his bag or some nonsense. Um, and so is the, just one last time. Is is the bear uh, furry and plush, huggable, like? squeezably soft like the bear and uh, yeah, I mean, snuggle you know, the dryer willow yeah willow made it so naturally he would make a an attractive warm 
huggable, friendly, snuggles. The bear did indeed look the worse for wear. (laughs) Soot had been baked into its fabric. The fabric had one foot had worn away and been replaced. From the odd shape, it no longer matched its fellow. It was clear that new stuffing had been added as well by a seamstress with more desire than skill. He's <laughs> always throwing shade at seamstresses, isn't he? <laughs> yes, That's I happened so. before. Yes, like describing her clothing, I think. Who uh, who sewed his pants wrong one day or something? Yeah. He, he was going to a, a comic uh, book awards banquet or something and his pants split in back. Yeah, maybe she, yeah, maybe he like heard them cracking wise, like behind the curtain in the back being like another fat ass walked in here on the way to the comic convention. And that just sort of his, uh, that's like his Batman villain origin story as vendetta towards seamstresses and, and humanity in general. <laughs> yes. And uh, plump girls. <laughs> right. uh, and then we get one last wizard did it for the road because he says, uh, you know, she says, how did the bear get in here? Well, you have Corey's sire to thank. The demon? Yeah, I think it snuck it into my pouch before our escape. He's not even trying either. Yeah, uh, sure, I think the demon put it in there. Whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, what a weird... I, I thought that was a weird picture of... First of all, I don't know what the demon is up to. Like, why did he send his, his role child was out into the world? very but, unclear. But it, one of his things is to... Uh, is to sneak teddy bears into people's beds. <laughs> yeah, like a, if there's one thing, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I haven't seen those movies where the uh, uh, the Conjuring series. No, uh, I wonder if they're often confronted by uh, demons who uh, sneak toys into people's things, <laughs> yes. like a note from your mom. Him. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I damn. love you, honey. Yeah, damn it, he he, he bit a put a Funko Pop in my daughter's uh lunchbox and now all of a sudden she's vomiting pea soup and crawling on the ceiling damn you demon are you (laughs) and uh then uh she holds she holds her bear tight and and hugs her knees we get the we get the the sign off Uh, after 452 pages of the worst book we've ever read on this podcast i did my part he told her as did we all but when it counted alora dannon you saved yourself then for what felt like the first time in a lifetime he let a smile of true joy crease his weathered features, and he sang the hope of the world to a deep and gentle sleep. As agony creased every <laughs> atom of his body, of his revolting, careworn face, and the pig his girl farted in her unhinged. sleep. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Next to the monstrous bear who stares at them out of his dead, one hollow eye. Yeah, maggots fall out of his uh, eye socket as uh, the boats beat on against the tide. <laughs> uh, covered in uh, the the rin's blood that and gore that had streaked across his face. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, rule, uh, they do like the, the Looney Tunes, the, the shutter closes and it pops back up and he goes, takes one to no one. And then it goes back <laughs> closed. That's the post square credit scene. Oh man. My God. Shadow moon. Oh, I'm proud of, uh, I'm proud of everyone for, for, for making it. Honestly, I, uh, it was a struggle and a half, but, uh, I'm glad that people stuck with us. It's not, uh, it wasn't an easy journey. How many would you guess actually read the book along with us? Because I, if you if you said zero, I, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, thirty would... would be a shock to me. Um, but I, I don't, don't know. know. But we should put out. I'll put out a, a survey on on Twitter or something, and people can people can can click it once they've uh, once they've completed the whole thing. That would be a good thing to do. Yeah, I can't. I Where can't imagine. I certainly don't blame anyone uh, for not. 
following along with this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was torture. Yeah, it was awful. It was truly awful. And someone someone even claimed they're like, well, I might have to just like see where this goes. And I'm like, do not do that. Like I, you know, I was like, this is like a, you know, it feels sort of like a a bartender like who's you know been serving a guy drinks you know the the whole evening and it's like do not get in a car and drive home it's like yeah i got you to this point but like <laughs> what you do after this is on you so do not uh, i i i can only say so much to discourage you from doing that i i that's not going to happen that's that's uh yeah that is a big I've talk had a few drinks big talk yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah and and if you do do that we don't want to hear about it like this is not this is not going to become the, the 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 dare reading podcast. We're not we're not doing weird uh, dares here. We're not going to finish Shadow Moon, and neither should you. Yeah, I just saw. I don't know where I saw this, but it was a a video of like a guy uh, climbing up where he shouldn't to try to uh, jump to impress all of his friends. <laughs> Other people below filming it are going like, "I don't no, don't oh, don't. God. I don't want to film a guy's death." And he's like, yeah, whatever, brah. And then, of course, he hits a cliff below him and drops like a rag doll into the water. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally everyone below him screaming, stop it, you moron. Wow. And, oh. and it turns out he was, you know, he was banged up, but he was fine. But uh, that's I'll never forget. In you know, the early claiming. days of the uh, Rift Tracks blog, I found a video of a guy who was imitating the uh, Sesame Street nine banana cream pies chef. You know, sure. he, it was just a counting exercise and he falls down the stairs and he's just, you know, some someone's crappy camcorder in a in a basement and he's doing it to try to impress, you know, the six year olds that are there. And he had the same thing. Don't do it. Don't do it, Carl. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he falls down and then there's just the kids are, you know, clapping and, and squealing. And you can just tell, like, he sits there a little too long. People are like, Carl, are you are you OK? <laughs> and there's like sort of a moan and stuff, but it, you know, and then and then you look at YouTube, the YouTube has 17 views and it's like, oh, just so wasn't worth it, man. <laughs> oh, he should have been doing the uh, the grape stomping lady. sound. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I think that's what those animals sounded like as they were fleeing. Yeah, she was doing a good impression. Well, let's do some dumb sentences. Uh, yeah, let's do emails later, but we'll do dumb sentences to, to wrap up this uh, this journey. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Well, we have plenty to choose from, so go ahead. Yeah, this was a, a longer section than normal, but uh, the sentences were... Just as dumb. Uh, some of them we've covered. Janelle submitted the stallion screamed like a woman. <laughs> so she's uh, she can be happy that that has been imitated exactly as the author intended it on this podcast. Uh, this one, we we alluded to this one, but we didn't have it uh, written down properly. Tom H. submitted, get thee gone, winged wingy. Rule affected a high-pitched voice and fey manner, flicking a hand at the wrist as though brushing off a dust moat. In his Ooh, I, I missed that one. <laughs> a dust moat, which was later seen inside Mount Doom, uh, standing next to uh, Ling Ling and Sing Sing the pandas. <laughs> but right. Tom, Tom's commentary was, as I was racing to the end of the book, I came across this and it nearly made me give up. I could feel the bile rising in my throat and the urge to deposit this book in the trash rose along with it, but I had to endure. Page 452 was so close. Wow, he went uh, almost to willow levels of misery there. <laughs> yes, bile. Uh, this is from Heather, who submitted, Never Deceive a Deceiver. Uh, she says the deceiver says this and so many words later I can't tell if the thorn who came up with the name deceiver actually revealed that's what the good guys were going to call the bad guy if he didn't how did the deceiver know this was his name plus it's just a really stupid sentence anyway Harris submitted 
Whoever the woman had been, she defied easy typecasting. He said it's a small thing, and I know he's done anachronistic-ish things before. Muffin tins, vampires, wares. But typecasting? Were people in the medieval troops complaining they wanted more range before the devil dogs ate them? Not to mention he's known warrior women before. One of the main characters in Willow, Val Kemmer's love interest, was a warrior woman. So it's really dumb, Harris. <laughs> Uh, this one next one is from Andrew. He's uh, submitted the silence. I think this is in the uh, in Doom Hall. The silence included even the wind, which chose that moment to pause. He just said jokes like this really don't work in novels. I would just say yeah, like jokes like this don't really work in this novel. The, just any joke. <laughs> there, uh, yeah, he he refers to jokes a lot. I would maintain there are none in the book anywhere. <laughs> Uh, this, this is the last one from Mike, a, uh, Patreon supporter. Um, Thorne sat because he had no more strength to stand with a body held together by strings like some badly constructed puppet. We touched on this one, but he, he provides a breakdown. His body was like a badly constructed puppet held together by strings. That's a simile. His body was a badly constructed puppet held together by strings is a metaphor. His body was held together like by strings like a puppet is word vomit, unless Thorne's <laughs> limbs are actually attached to his body with binder twine. So Ah, that's yeah. a good breakdown. Yeah. Pe- people are throwing books in trashes. They're they're uh, yeah, diagramming sentences for us. It was a uh, it was all uh, it is it attracted a variety of emotions and reactions from people. I wonder if there were uh, an uptick in emergency room uh uh, people being hit by books during the uh, <laughs> just innocent people on buses, yeah. uh, loved ones. Out windows, you know, from uh, the fourth story of a building you're walking by and it drops on your head. Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, like bruised uh, corneas and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, ears being smashed. And yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's it. That's uh, Shadow Moon. Um, uh, thank- do you ha- do you have a dumb sentence? Oh, I did, but it was the uh, I, su- I submitted. Oh, the, I burnt uh, yours. Yeah, so what was it? It was uh, you. Uh, Eighteen sentences blah, in between. Blah, blah, smell. Blah, blah 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 blah. Smell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine is you know after all there's been a lot of fireworks and so maybe this is a little bit of a letdown but it had been years since he'd last been head blind and it wasn't a treat. <laughs> Again, you if you were thinking it was a treat, right. it was not a treat. Headline, that sounds great. Yeah. It's such a weird again, his his poking this language in the middle again of people, you know, using their own blood to whip prepubescent girls and flay their flesh open. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a treat when that happened. It's just very, very dissonant. Yeah, it's his his intended audience, you know, it, at times it's the uh Boy licking the lolly, and at other times it's, you know, front row at a war concert. G.G. <laughs> G. Allen at other times. <laughs> yeah, geez. Um, uh, well, yeah, so that was uh, that was Shadow Moon. Uh, we forgot to shout out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash 372 pages. That's where people uh, get every episode early, and, uh, you know, they came up with some amazing memes this book around. They they endured, and they, they helped each other endure it together, I believe. So if that's not an endorsement for that, uh, I don't know what would be. But uh, they'll be the first to find out what we're doing next, and uh, all I can say is that we're going to vet word counts the next time. Oh, very carefully. Yeah, we <laughs> we marched into this with bravado and uh and hope and uh, boy oh boy did that bite us yeah oh man yeah uh, like i said the, the, the person has apologized but that's uh that's that's it's still going to change the things we do things going for the way we do things going forward but i've got a i've got a contender i may just send it to your house unannounced Ooh, 
Yeah. Wow. So it just show up in my mailbox contender? Yeah. Oh, that'll be a treat. Sort of the way that, uh, that's, that's how Dwight David Thrash showed up. I mean, that was, we're going to harken back to those simpler times. Uh, and I assume this will be a slim volume. Yes, I think it's 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 got to be one of those ones that looks like you know I don't know they made paper in this size. <laughs> oh, great! Okay, so, I think we... ah, that's a bit of a clue. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. But um, yeah, it's uh, Patreon.com/slash three seventy two pages. You can be the first to find out, and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Mike will post something while I'm uh, out next week getting some sun. I certainly will. Um, I'm probably going to make that piece of. Uh, Playing adagio for strings over God. your. Uh... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I I try, you know, like that's more than that's more than some people. If it was on, if I was, if it was on Jeopardy, if it was on Jeopardy, they would accept that as the answer because they would know what I was talking about. I no, I'm not. Look, hey, hey, I'm just trying to protect you from these the jackals out there. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them. <laughs> they always want more. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and we'll, uh, I think we have a lot of emails. Someone even wrote, uh, we can tease this, a choose-your-own-adventure based on the books. So we are going to share that. We can share that in the mailbag that we record that. So if you do have any more thoughts, um, as this wraps up, send them in and we'll, we'll do a mailbag episode of them. I, I just looked into the mailbag and a, a demon has slipped a, a bear into it. So Oh, that was nice of him. Yeah. So real sweet guy. What, demon? Salt of the earth, that dude. <laughs> Real thoughtful. <laughs> Straight shooter. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, you know, I, I, normally we do sort of a wrap-up. I think you've heard our thought. There's nothing more to say, I, I don't think. Uh, no, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a true thing. The Patreon supporters can uh, win our copies of the book with the notes written in them and all that all that stuff. So if, you, if you're a weirdo who wants, a, uh, wants another copy of this— um, my, my pen ran out. I made so many notes. You can, uh, you can enter to win that. We'll post that on Patreon too. And if you, I don't know if you've been reading it electronically or whatever, and then you get a copy, you can look at the cover and try to figure out who the hell that is. <laughs> it's the Castellan Knight Lion Thunder guy. Maybe. Th- is it a, is it a guy? Uh, there's a lady on the back. Oh, okay. She's right. better looking yeah. than anyone in the book though. So I'm not sure what to make of that. Does she have tattoos on her? No. Okay. So we can eliminate the demon child. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's let's stop before it rots our brain anymore. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thank Sincerely you very much. For, yeah, if, you, if, you made this, if you made this march with us, again, Band of Brothers, thanks for doing <laughs> it. Uh, this is 372 Pages. We'll never get back. I'm Mike Nelson. I'm Connor Lestuka. We'll see you next time for something better. Better. <laughs>